welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Booyah. Welcome, Phil, to the Bro Novo Podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing really good, Tom. Nice to be with you today. Yeah, thank you for for sharing your uh, your wonderful energy with us. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. Uh, like I said, I was, I was looking forward to it. Yeah. And uh, if anything, it's going to be just good catching up with you. For sure. So we were just talking about Quebecois. And many of the audience yes. uh, is going to be American, but they may not really know anything about Quebec or, you know, being French Canadian. So you were saying some of the things are done differently up there relative to the rest of Canada. What are some of those things? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, so Quebec is a province on the East coast. Like we're just, uh, I'm, I'm in the greater Montreal areas area. So I grew up in Montreal. That's kind of like my, uh, my home base. Um, Quebec is the second largest province, like in like behind Ontario, right? In Canada, so we're 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 a big population, and I had the the privilege of being raised bilingually. My mom is from the Laurentians, which is about an hour and fifteen north of uh, the Montreal island. And uh, while my father my father was raised uh, in Montreal, but he you know came from Italy at the age of two with my grandparents and was raised primarily in English. Um, because at that time you could choose uh, which language you wanted to study in. Um, so yeah, so I had the, the luxury of, of, you know, I went to French school my whole life up until Cégep, which is like uh, pre-university. Uh, and then I switched to English just because I felt like changing it up. And, um, you know, Canada is, look, it, it's quote unquote a bilingual country. But the bilingual part is really isolated, I would say, to Montreal and not to Quebec because, mm. like, Quebec City, I mean, it's, it's like 90% French. It's a smaller town. So I think it's like 650,000. Like, Montreal is a big town. It's like 3.5 mil. Uh, and, like, there are people in Montreal that only speak English. And you can get by amazingly. You can, you know, it's a great town. Right. Um, but yeah, what I was what I was telling uh, you, Tom, was the fact that you know, having the privilege to grow up in French and in English, I was able to witness also the good and the bad from both sides, right? So, um, when I was speaking French, you know, sometimes you get a, like these kind of comments from the English side, and when you're speaking English, you kind of get these snarky comments from the French side. So, it, it, it's it's particular, it's a particular dynamic. But all in all, I mean. Yes, I'm biased, but Quebec is a great place. Montreal is an amazing town. I encourage anybody to come and see, yeah. come and visit. Uh, hey, I, I had the luxury, and we're going to get into it, to, uh, of spending a lot of time in the States. And not everybody knew what Montreal and where Montreal was, but those who knew were like, oh, man, like I want to visit. I've heard good things. And it really is. It's a really good. It's a great place. Yeah, you for sure sold it to me when when we met. <laughs> it sounds very like artistic, music, food. 
you know, that kind of oh, yeah. European. Is it is it an old city? It's the oldest city uh, in Canada, but I th- maybe North America. I'm not sure. Basically, Montreal was like founded in 1642. And the only reason I remember that date, because I'm a history loser, is the fact that we have a beverage company called 1642 <laughs> that originated from Montreal. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so it's a very old town. Sorry? Is it an alcoholic beverage? No, it's like, uh, oh, okay. it's like home-brewed soda and stuff and okay, all that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but it's all natural with maple syrup, free plug. So, yeah, so it's a very old city, and you'll get that vibe, right? I mean, if you go to the old port in old Montreal, you'll have these, like, 1,700, 1,800 like, buildings, and they're just beautiful. And, and actually, uh, culturally, there's a big, big uh, uh, movement to protect these. Like, like I remember my, my father had a, a commercial space uh, in old Montreal at some point when I was a kid, and he couldn't put any like banners or like put anything in the windows Signage. because it would ruin the, 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 the not, not the novelty, but like the, the, the heritage of the, the front facing and like there's buildings being built within buildings because right. you can't ruin you like the, the, the stone face. Yeah. 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 It's, it's beautiful. Like it's a beautiful, beautiful town. Beautiful nice. town. And it's easy to get by because you know, we have like an underground we call it the metro, but like a subway system, and it's really, really well done. Um, so now it's it's great to visit. But now, be warned: it's November. It's getting cold. Snow is coming. Right. So uh, for those down south, if you are there, uh, <laughs> you might be you not might not be accustomed to what we're going through. <laughs> it's funny to me that like Minnesota can be down south from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, but they probably know, like, they they know what we go through. Yeah, like, yeah. Minnesota is a fully aware <laughs> <laughs> of what, what, what we live. And they might get it worse because they're, like, just south of the prairies. And the, the prairies in Canada, like uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, uh, they get, not only do they get a lot of snow, but they get a lot of wind because it's very flat. Right. And it's, uh, it could get brutal over there. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever thought about moving somewhere warm? No. Like, like I've never, I've always liked the snow. I'm one of those weird guys. Like, I was born in the summer, but I, I kind of dig the snow. Yeah. Uh, not so much for, like, snow activities or winter activities, but just, like, I, I like Being around it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's part, like, it's it's always been here. Like, I'm, I'm 33 uh, I've lived in Montreal from the age of uh, zero to 31 and now I'm just on the outskirts of, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> so, so far but I, I have so far away. Like I'm 25 minutes from the downtown core is like, oof. um, but I've always said though, like if I were to move somewhere else, but stay in Canada, uh, it would be Vancouver. Like I love oh, yeah, Vancouver. Nice. It's a beautiful town. But if I were to move to the States, I think there's two places two places I would consider Miami Beach. No, not Florida. <laughs> sorry, sorry guys. Uh, I would consider Texas, mm-hmm. and I would consider uh, Colorado. Nice, yeah. Like Denver, those are two cities I really fell. Uh, well, two kind of states I really fell in love with. Nice. Yeah, they're beautiful, man. The Texas has kind of gained a lot of traction 
post COVID. Yeah. And same with Florida. Especially Austin, I find like Austin is booming right yeah. now. It's getting saturated with Californians and uh people from all over. You know what? One that um is kind of really awesome that doesn't get a lot of attention is as much attention as Utah. Utah is really cool. Mm. Very beautiful. Um similar kind of vibes as Colorado and then also Montana. Okay. Um oh, okay. But that's much more plainy. I mean, they have mountains. It's a, it's mountains, but it kind of has that whereas Utah is more like desert, sun-baked red rocks and orange okay. sand kind of thing. Anyway, Awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, that makes sense. Your background, you know, the thoroughly um, of Mon- Montreal. But what else about, by the way, of introduction would you like to share, you know, with the audience? And I guess I can share to you that we met at a sales training. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, 2018, right? Hilti, the, the dude, I was just telling Kendall, my girlfriend, that their branding is incredible. I still see Hilti tools and I'm like, yeah, boy, go get them. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm no, no, excited. It, it, no, honestly, <laughs> and I think we were together when we had this like this thought at the training in 2018 in Tulsa. We're like, like this, like cult, like the culture of this company is intense. Like it's almost <laughs> overwhelming, <laughs> but it brands you. Oh, like even sure. today, like I, I, like I. First of all, as soon as I pass a, a, a Hilti truck or a Hilti marquee or something, now I'm like. Yeah, like you know, there's something like that's like that's in me right now. Like I don't think it'll ever go away. And and in retrospect, you go like they're doing something really, really right. Like like they're very successful at what they do. They invest a lot of time and money in building that. And you got to give them credit. I mean, it works and it's powerful to generate that type of belief in in your employee, right, in your workforce. It, it it was a great place to work. So we met there. You know, yeah. A, uh, a, a great Philippine. place to work. Great place to learn. Yeah. Very positive. Very. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so how did you make that your way to um, to sales though? Because you're still in sales, but you had a kind of non traditional yeah. path via music. So how did that how did that all play out? Yeah. Well, hundred percent. I mean, uh, well, like I said, like. Uh, my mom's French Canadian. My, my father is Italian. Uh, moved to Montreal uh, with his family when he was two years old. So upbringing here, very much in the city. Um, I grew up bilingually, and at a very young age, I mean, my my father was in no way a musician, and thank God because he can't sing or play anything for the life <laughs> for his life. But he was like a pure lover of music yeah like there was always music playing like uh, prog rock classic rock alt rock like there was always something like he would wake up in the morning and the radio was on and it would stay on constantly nice um and i mean when i was a kid i mean we had a lot of being italian we had a lot of like you know family parties weddings and all that stuff and it would like there was always music so that was just like a part of my upbringing and I just took a liking to it. And I started singing at a very young age, uh, like memorizing songs off the radio and all that. So I, I started like loving music at the age of probably three, four, but then considering it as like a career path at probably like nine or 10, like, like seriously taking it in and saying, Oh, this is what I want to do. Wow. Cause I was just so passionate about it. And at around that age, nine or ten, like I was singing already, but then like I picked up the guitar, took some lessons, 
And uh, in, in, in Quebec, uh, at 16, you finish high school. And that's another thing. In high school, I was doing music too. I went to music high school. So I was in the school orchestra, uh, playing percussions, you know, working on my rhythm skills and all that. Nice. And, um, and at 16, um, after, after high school in Quebec, you go to something called Cégep. So it's, it's like a transitionary school between high school and university or college. And you can get a diploma there. It's a professional diploma. Or you can treat it as a pre-university program and then go to a university. So I ended up doing uh, three years to get a professional diploma uh, in music. So I studied uh, pop voice. I was doing uh, practicing jazz, classical, sang in choirs. Uh, and at the same time, you know, you had like band sessions and all that. So, um, so, so music was... A Every day, like every day I was waking up and studying it, right? And uh, at, in 2009, uh, I, met, uh, I met my band, my old band, uh, that was originally called Vice Versa, and then um, we rebranded <laughs> to Era 9. And that was like my, my love project for, for like over 10 years, uh, almost 10 years. And uh, I was in... I was in uh, I, it's funny because I had met them. Everything happened at the same time. I had, uh, I had met them. I met my girlfriend, who's now the mother of my child. Uh, <laughs> um, and at the same time, I was approached uh, by, uh, by a company, essentially, that, that builds corporate bands and exports them. Because mm-hmm. Quebec... Going back to what I was saying about the cultural side of Quebec, there's a lot of investment in culture. Uh, we have a lot of great museums, uh, a lot of great festivals. I mean, world-renowned festivals, the J- Just for Laughs Festival, the Jazz Festival. I mean, there's a lot of music and a lot of talent in, in, in Montreal, uh, so much so that we export it. Um, so I was 19 at the time, and um, and I was, uh, I was approached by uh, a corporate uh, band leader, and he said, look, uh, we're ready to offer you a contract in basically 12 to 18 months. Go to Asia, play in hotels and all that. And are you down? And obviously, I was 19 years old. Uh, uh, and I just started uh, working with my band, building a studio that we would then record in. And I turned it down. Mm. And at the same time, meeting my, my, my girlfriend... Uh, for me, it was a no-brainer. It was like, look, the band is the priority. We're going to tour. I'm not going to be here. Are you ready to, to ride, this, ride this ride with me? And she's like, 100%. Wow. So that's it. So, we, uh, so we, uh, we went into the studio. We got, um, we got investments from, uh, I'm going to put it uh, mildly to say, a guardian angel of ours who really trusted in, in what we did. Wait, guys. And we released... Yeah, of so, course. So you you preferred to to record locally than tour. You you wouldn't you prefer to do that rather than take a deal and go tour. Is was that the thinking? <laughs> well, the thing the thing is that taking a deal. How can I put this? You, you, we have to prove ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We have to prove ourselves. We had to have a product to sell first of all, and then we had to like show off what we're able to. 
what we're able to do. So at that time, uh, and, and touring in the States versus Canada is very different. Uh, Canada is a bigger country than the States and has one-tenth of its population. So touring is very costly. Right. A lot of transportation and time. A lot of transportation. Um, so what ended up happening is that we released a, a first album in 2011, then a second EP in 2013. The first one was self-titled, Era 9. The second one was an, a six-song EP called The Turn Day. And with those two albums, uh, we're trying to get some traction, you know, locally in Canada. And, in tw- and then we, um, we started working with a management company uh, and we toured on the east coast of Canada and then uh, they brought us over the west coast. But again, that's when we started figuring out that, okay, well, it, it, it might be, first of all, it, it's very costly to tour in Canada. And secondly, for new rock, because that's what we were, we we're like uh, kind of a newer rock, new metal kind of uh, style. Um, there wasn't really market like right. classic rock was a big thing, but I mean, classic kind of, rock kind of is, is yeah, not new. new rock is not going to, well, it's, it's also like classic rock is 70, 80s rock. That's not what we did. So, uh, the, the producer of a second album of our EP got us in touch with a, a manager by the name of Jeremy Williams, uh, based out of Florida. And we started talking. He's like, well, why don't you guys tour the States, come over to the States. So that's what happened in 2013. Uh, we started touring the states and almost exclusively the states uh, up until I left the band in 2016. So obviously, needless to say, it was the the time of my life. It was nice. a blast. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I think we during my time with the band, I uh, must have covered like 40 out of the 50 states. Like it was something crazy. It was just like super fun playing a ton of shows, uh, but again, being gone two, three months, coming back for two weeks, back out, back in, back out, back it's in. It's a tough lifestyle. Uh, it's a tough lifestyle, uh, especially when you have someone back home yeah. uh, waiting for you. And and what's <clears throat> what I noticed is um, the first tour we had, um, we were opening for a band called Pop Evil. Very fairly popular in the states, doing really well. Um, and I remember getting close to the, the the singer, and we started talking. His name is Lee, and um, and he shared with me that at that time he had a one year old at home. Mm. I didn't have a kid yet. I was uh, twenty thirteen. I was like twenty four years old. Um. So he has a one year old at home, and he said, and he's being very honest with me, saying he's. He's touring 10 to 11 months out of, year, out of the year. And that hit me. It's like, whoa. And I was like, I, I don't know if I could do that. And at the same time, uh, our, our first U.S. tour, I think, started in like May or June 2013. And I got to say, I was extremely close to my paternal grandparents, like my Italian grandparents. They basically raised me. They're like my second set of parents, really. Mm-hmm. Especially my grandmother, who I was really, really, really close with. And um, in July of 2013, she had an accident. She fell down like some concrete stairs in the backyard, and, mm-hmm. and which led to brain trauma, and which led to her passing. Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. And, that's all right. And 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 that too was a hard way to like realize. Okay, I'm I'm in Wisconsin. 
I'm, I'm in Illinois. This is happening back home. There, there's things that I'm not there for. There's birthdays I'm not there for. My, 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 my girlfriend at the time had lost both her grandparents. I couldn't attend the funerals. We had itineraries to respect. We had shows to honor. And, and, and at that time, I, I, I was so focused on, on you know, the, what to do. But in retrospect now, I'm like, wow, like that takes an enormous amount of sacrifice. And, and, and that's what I came to realize is that it's a great lifestyle. It's a fun lifestyle. It's not for everybody. But it takes it's, – it's a very selfish lifestyle. Mm. It's selfish in the sense that you got to go at it and you got to say it's about me and I don't care about the rest. Single and I'm not saying that that's wrong. But you have to be ready to live with that and whatever that comes with. Um, and it's not always easy. Oh, yeah. Because also, even just the economics of it, I mean, how many tickets oh, do yeah. you have to sell roughly per show to even break even? You know, like, I can't imagine it was particularly lucrative, as maybe at the beginning. Well, no. I mean, we, we, were, we were happy if we came back and we broke even, yeah. you know? Because we would go out, we would uh, we were traveling in an RV at the time, so we were financing that uh, to, to minimize on like you know uh, food because we would cook everything ourselves, lodging because we would just sleep in the RV. There's all these things to, to keep in mind, right? So if we'd come back and you know, hey, we broke even, awesome. But I mean, you have to find a job back home. Right. Like, you were off for two weeks. Okay, what can we do like to, to get a little money? Okay, but we have to practice too. Okay, we got to build the next show. Wow. So it's, it's uh, such commitment from everyone. It takes a lot, man. It takes a lot. So that, like, I got to say, whenever you see a band, especially an up and coming band, that's really like, you know, hustling to make it. What you see for half an hour, 45 minutes on stage is like a fraction of a percent of what they actually have to go through. So you, you have to respect that. And, and that, that's like playing on stage for us was the easy part. Because you go there, you black out, you just do your thing, you have fun, you connect with people. It's kind of like sales, right? You, you <laughs> go look for that. No, but seriously, it's what it is. It, yeah. It's you go there, you connect with people, you gain their trust, their validation. Yeah. The, your energy is bouncing off of you to them. Their energy is bouncing off of them to you. It, it's an exchange. Yeah, and the actual meeting is kind but, of the easy part. It's like getting the meeting. Yeah. Is, is, and, and, more like and it's like playing a show. I mean, like you're yeah. playing on stage. That's easy. But then go behind the merch table for three, four, five hours. Shake those hands. Meet those people. Talk to people. Network. Um, go back into the RV. Drive your six hours to yeah. the next show. Uh, do your band itinerary, your booking, your accounting, your media, your this. Your, like <laughs> Empty the bio like it's, waste it's, from the RV. <laughs> empty the bio waste. <laughs> Thankfully, I was not responsible for that, but, uh, but see, so, so it, it's, it's way more than what you see. And that's why like today, even today, I, I listen to bands that we played with. Uh, I go back and look at videos and listen to music and, and I get somewhat nostalgic, but I'm like, when you're in it, you're, you're like always on. So you don't get time to appreciate it. And again, it's, it's, it, you're not in it because you're not passionate about it. You're always passionate about it. So it's not work to you. It's not tiring because you're always in that thrill, right? You're pursuing the dream, yeah. 
But in retrospect, you're like, wow, it's a lot. It's a commitment. It's so huge. Would, would you consider that an entrepreneurial venture then, that whole experience? It's funny you say that because I, I left the band uh, in January 2016. Because at that point, I had like, we'd come back from our last tour. I had said, like, I, I obviously I talked with my, with my significant other and we're like, what's the next step? And one thing that kind of put the last nail in the co- coffin for us was also the fact that we had a verbal agreement that we were going to get a deal and that deal never panned out. Uh, okay. So that kind of just like, uh, you know, left us heartbroken. Yeah, of course. Me, me personally left me heartbroken. So I, I was actually scared when I left the band because I was like, crap, now I got to find a career path for myself. Right. And like anybody, you know, you sit behind a computer, you start building your CV. And I was like, okay, but the last 10 years, all I did was music. <laughs> all I did was this yeah. band. I'm like, I can't, it means nothing. The, 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 no, nobody in sales, nobody in like the corporate world is going to see this as an asset. So I didn't leverage that. And I was almost ashamed right. of it because I was like, no, I got to start from scratch. I got to build my career path and all that. Today, I openly and almost introduce myself by saying, this is how I started. And I could definitely say that it's an entrepreneurial spirit because, yeah, it's atypical. Nobody is looking for retired musicians to be part of their workforce. I mean, we're not in high demand, <laughs> but <laughs> but all that to say is that there's a ton of things uh, of street smarts, of social skills, of adaptability that you go through. You, you go through challenges on the road. I mean, there's things like problem solving, negotiating skills, uh, as silly as, hey, uh, what do you do when you're stuck on the interstate and your tire blows out? How do you keep yourself on an even keel? How do you like, okay, let's recenter ourselves. How do we fix this problem? Cause we have X amount of time to get to the next stop. For like sure. these are all things that a conflict, like uh, two yeah. bandmates are, are pissed at each other almost at blows. And you have to play a show in 45 minutes. Like what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, if anything, it matures you emotionally and, and and that today, with everything we've gone through, like as a society, I mean, the COVID pandemic, hybrid work, uh, remote work, being less maybe uh, in touch humanly with one another. Mm. I mean, I think that's the the most important skill of all, to have that empathy, to have that emotional intelligence, because it goes a long way today. People need that. They need that connection. Oh, for sure. And and were you fronting the band as well? You were singing, or because you, you mentioned percussion. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, I was the lead singer of the band. Nice frontman. Um, again, Aaron Nine, little diva that I am, attention seeker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but again, it's like um, it, it, it's 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 what I loved, and and the reason I got into sales after. For me, it's because it was just simply a no-brainer. I mean, we'd play the show. I'd hop off stage. The guys would take care of the gear and all that. And they would say, Phil, 
go work the merch table. Right. And I would literally be there three hours, four hours a night, shaking hands, talking. Uh, kissing babies. And out, <laughs> kissing babies. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Waving like the queen and yeah, all that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but no joke. Like, like that's that's how you sharpen your skills. Totally. And 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 it's in retrospect that you get to know this. I mean, like I said before, like we we must have traveled through forty states. Well, one thing that I love about the United States, and I, I really love my experience in the states. I, I can't say that enough. It's the fact that every state is very different. So different. Every per, every person you talk to has a different background has a different way of thinking, a different mentality. It's it, it's almost like 40 different like mini countries. Totally. And there's a that takes adaptability. You you have to be curious to learn about them and you have to be able to kind of chameleonize yourself to say, "Okay, well, how am I going to be interesting to them? How am I going to adapt to them?" And uh I mean it's 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 a wonderful experience to travel like that. How much of your revenue is coming from the merch relative to tickets? <laughs> oh, it was like 99 to one. Oh, really? <laughs> it was all merch. Then. Well, mostly. well, it, it, mostly is right now. Um, well, right, I say right now, but back when we were touring, it must be the same or even more now. T- touring is where the revenue comes from. Right. Like, I don't think musicians, like in the days, really get a lot from sales. Definitely not from streams. I'll tell you that. Um, but you have to tour. You have to be on the road. You have to be in front of people to, to, to make money, to not only to build a fan base, but to to, to, to sell that merch, to Monetize shake hands. It, yeah. and, it's, and it's, I mean, think about marketing for a big company or for a startup, Right. You got to be out there. People need to see you, need to hear you, need to be, you need to be shaking hands, to be in front of people. I hope you are enjoying this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you. To get involved in the conversation, you can send me an email contact at bronouveau.com or find me on Instagram at bronouveaupod. Please share this episode out with someone who you think will enjoy it. And you can leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For full-length video episodes, head over to YouTube and search Bro Nouveau Podcast. Enjoy. going back to like what it is like in Quebec. Well, in, in Quebec, we're very tactile people. Like we'll meet someone, we'll shake their hands. We'll meet you a second time. I'll give you a hug. Like, like that's how it is, you know? No, no, no. But that's why um, we got along. Cause we were just like, ah. yeah, yeah. Was just, you know, just hugging each other constantly. <laughs> HR was after us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, all jokes aside. Um, it, it's, so it's very much like that. And, and that's very much my personality, you know, like I need that human connection. Yeah. It, it's how you get a good read off of people. It's how you build something. It, it's if you attach to like, if you, if you bring it back to the virtual world and like, like now we're chatting, but I see you through a computer screen. 
I know who you are, Tom. We've spent time in person together, so it's easy to do. But if we're meeting for the first time and it's through a computer screen, I'd much rather meet in person. Oh, and I think anybody would say that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. So nowadays your work, um, you're working for a big organization. Are you? How's your time spent with clients? Is it is it more virtual or are you still going in person? So um, right now I'm working more virtual just because uh, I work in the virtual space. You know, uh, I'm selling, uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a corporation that sells SaaS that promotes SaaS and optimization and business process You've automation. Got Sorry? You've got plenty of that. I do. Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's very much virtual, but at the same time, people have reached out saying, yeah, I want to meet you in person. Um, and I always, you know, give the, uh, the option. Um, and a lot of people are comfortable and I can respect, like a lot of people are still working from home too here. So um, I'm not expecting people to invite me in their living rooms, you know? Right, true. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, that there's also that, but I mean, I offer both, but I got to say it's, it's for, for the majority, it's, it's virtual. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the whole Bro Nouveau mindset is the theme of the show, obviously. And I think it certainly takes that kind of confidence to do what you did, being the front man of a band, right? That's very expressive, very vulnerable in some ways. The, the lyrics are lyrics from your heart, right? From your mind. You're putting, yeah. you're putting words mm-hmm. to the music that your bandmates create. So how did you develop that mindset or that kind of open you know, open, uh, mindedness as a man well, is, in, in context, right. Of the whole bro new <laughs> mindset. <laughs> well, uh, I think it all stems from, you know, want, wanting to be liked. Mm-hmm. I think everybody wants to be liked to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Some people need it more than others. Um, but for me, it was very, at a very young age, like I was always wanted to be the life of the party. Always wanted to, hey, people are taking pictures. I want to be in every single picture. Like a little <laughs> anecdote. <laughs> like I, I remember my parents telling me like, oh, they got a photographer, right, for my brother's baby pictures. I, I got a, a younger brother. He's six years younger than me. <laughs> and I refused to not be taken in the pictures. So his baby pictures ended up being like brother pictures. Because <laughs> I was like, I, I won't accept this. Like, no. There's a spotlight and I'm not in it. Unacceptable. So there's that. So a lot of it has to do with personality, but not a lot of it has to do with, like I, I was always just fascinated about like these larger than life, you know, icons uh, I'm a huge fan of Elton John. I mean, like, you just look at him on stage. He's like, he's on stage and he's a presence mm-hmm. and he commands hunt like tens or in some cases, a hundred thousand people in front of him. And he's not moving. He's behind a piano, but his aura, like, I, like it always fascinated me. And when you look at like rock bands, like I'm a big fan of Aerosmith. Like you look at Steven Tyler and just like, it's, it's it's almost like like a shaman like he's almost like working a spell and everybody's just like completely enamored with him and i always found that fascinating mm. 
are they enamored with him though, or are they enamored with the art he's creating? One would argue that they're both one and the same. Because when you think about it, I mean, there's different ways of performing. Some people just like, you know, are very stationary, stand behind our mic. If they play guitar, they stand behind, behind our guitar and they just sing and they don't move, which is fine. But some people are very theatrical. And that's one thing that I often was was told was like Phil, you're very theatrical when you perform. <laughs> and for some reason, and and I, and I move, and it's funny because because my vocal coach in the day says, well, it's not good to move to get the sound out. Uh, like like if you bend a certain way to get that note, that's not correct. Right. You want to harness the power. But if you good get, structure, good posture, right? Yeah. But if you get that note and your body moves just because of feeling, that's fine. And I was always, I've always been fascinated with, and this is going to sound really weird, with singers who sound like they're agonizing. Mm. Chris Cornell. Like Chris Cornell, Steve Perry. Mm-hmm. Uh, more recently, I'm, I'm in love with a, song, a singer-songwriter called Dermot Kennedy. When these people sing, it sounds painful. It sounds like they're paying a price <laughs> to get what's coming out. <laughs> but I, I find it, it sounds weird what I'm uh, saying, but, but th- there's something beautiful to that saying, look, I'm putting my body on the line. It's coming from the deepest part of my soul, but I'm showing you my guts right now. I love that. That's and that's what, dude. How, so how do you, how do you f- replace that high now? Cause what? What can you do? Do you just like sing to yourself in your bedroom and fucking rock out? Like, how do you, <laughs> you know? Well, I do still try to practice. I mean, uh, I was always into fitness uh, and the voice is a muscle. So you got to practice mm. to, to maintain your range and to maintain your um, your chops. A lot, obviously, I sing a lot less than I used to. But again, like I have a son. He's going to be two in, in, in January. And music is a very big part of our daily lives. Like I sing to him constantly. I make up songs, uh, like (laughs) silly songs. Sometimes I talk to him by singing. Like it's always going to be a part of me. And, And I try for a long time, for a long time, uh, I didn't want to have anything to do with, writing original music after 2016 i was so kind of heartbroken with the fact that oh we were promised something it never came through so i was just like screw it i i want to perform so i performed i I, I like subbed for like tribute bands and stuff just for the the hell of it Mm -hmm. to uh to to get that stage presence going sometimes and all that but it was like maybe a handful of shows a year for a couple years but to write something new, I had no desire. It was completely dead inside of me. And then last year, one of, uh, one of my friends who, uh, who was a guitar player I studied with actually at, at, at col- in college, he, um, he started writing. He was working on his EP. And I was talking with him and, and he got back into music full time and 
I was like, you know what? Let's let's try writing together. Because till this time, I'd only ever written with my band. I never wrote, wrote alone. Mm. I never wrote with other people. So funnily enough, like we started writing, and occasionally, whenever we have the time, like we meet up and and we you know, doodle some stuff around. But it kind of got those juices flowing again. To the point where I'm going to get back on stage and back on tour? No. I, I think that part of, of music in my life is done. Uh, just because responsibilities change. You know, with, with fatherhood, with, you know, uh, career, you know, bought a house a couple of years ago. Like, the, the, the certain things just happen and priorities change. Uh, but music is always going to be there in some way, shape, or form. It's, it's, it's a part of me. Love it. And on that creative process, so say with your band, yeah, is it a, a situation where anyone can write or is it they come to you and say, hey, we, we wrote a song, put lyrics to it, or do you go to them with lyrics and say, these are the things I want to express, make a song to reflect it? Mm-hmm. Is it all of the above? Like, how does that, how does that work? Well, well, first and foremost, I, I don't think any band does it the same way, right? Mm. Like when you're talking about like creativity, that's the beauty of it. It's free flowing. Right. Yeah, Anybody can do whatever they want. The way we worked is that I, I, I really liked having control of the lyrics in the sense that I liked writing. I had an ease with lyrics. They, they came out fairly easily. I liked working with imagery, opposition, uh, um, so that mostly came to me, but often like there'd be like a guitar lick or a melody that was written by someone or that I would come up with and I'd put a word to it or a lyric to it. I'd be like, Oh, okay. Uh, Joe or Jonna or Marco do this. And, um, and it would build and that's how it would go. That's how we would kind of build. But, as a rule of thumb, I always like to have some sort of music, either melody or harmony or chord progression in the back to build off of and then put lyrics to it. That's how our process was. Mm-hmm. And then did you, and I guess more generally, do singers, songwriters, like probably different for everyone, but you know, do people sit down and write like an author would, you know, like I'm going to write today, I'm going to sit down and focus on this or is it more kind of stream of consciousness, you know, or I guess both cause everyone's different, but I'm all- yeah, I, I would say the process would vary. I mean, I haven't met every singer songwriter in the world. Uh, but for me, my, in my experience, it was okay. This word or this, this, the rhythm of syllables fits here. And that becomes either the title of the song or the main idea. And then we just elaborate kind of like a web, like just expands. Um, That's how we would go about it. Uh, But I'm sure some people like sit down, do some free writing. Um, Again, I'm a huge fan of Elton John, like I mentioned before, and I read his book and and for him, for example, it was, I'll write the music. Uh, his composer, uh, his lyric writer, Bernie, would go in the other room, write the, write the lyrics, and boom, they'd mash it up together. It depends. Right? It depends. Yeah, because I think that's something that people, or I guess about music that doesn't get as much appreciation. You know, like an author, a poet, 
yeah. you know, even like hip hop, probably lyrics are much more. Oh my God. Real, like understood to be, you know, like that's, that's the art. But I feel like in, in non, like in rock music, for example, or all other types of music, like that's a huge part of the process and part of a song, you know, like even if you don't know what the lyrics are, like say in a foreign language that someone doesn't know, you can still mm-hmm. understand the emotion and what's being communicated without those lyrics. It, it doesn't have the same weight. And that's an important skill. Well, a hundred percent. Cause I mean, if you're talking about just simple, simply the voice, right? Well, yeah, there's the notes you sing, but there's the timbre of your voice. So the natural sound of it, there's the effect you want on it. Are you, is it more of like a, a whisper that you're trying to get? Are you raunching it up to get like some sort of anger or some dirtiness in there? Is there a synthetic <laughs> effect that is there a th- synthetic effect that right. you're putting in the studio to add? Like, there's so many ways. Like, what's the image? What do you want to put out there? And, and you learn that too. It's like it's like the first time you record, you listen to yourself. Like, that's what I sound like. Like, what the hell? Like, that takes <laughs> some time to wrap your. Like, yeah. I'm I'm sure when you first started podcasting, yep, first time you heard yourself, you must have been like, oh my Ew. god, that's me. Yeah, like. Yeah, well, often that's the, that's a reaction. Like, ah, oh, this sounds terrible. But but because we don't, we're not in the habit of hearing us from the outside, you know, you hear you from, you hear yourself from here. You resonate in your yeah, like in your in skull, skull and all that, right? and, and that's the sound. It sounds great in my head. <laughs> it sounds awesome. You get used to it, but from the outside, it sounds completely different. Yeah, that's so cool, man. Who are your favorite uh, lyricists? Well, hands down, I always liked Bernie Taupin. So that was the the go-to uh, kind of buddy that Elton John had, his, 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 his go-to lyricist for the majority of his albums. Um, again, I, I really had an Aerosmith phase. Like, I really like Steven right. Tyler, but it's, it's a completely different style. Like, he's more like witty but completely out there. Sometimes it's absolute gibberish. And sometimes yeah. like you read it and like, what the hell is he talking about? But for him it works. <laughs> Irreverent for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I just like, I just like, I like lyrics, but I also like, like you have to put them in context, right? For sure. Cause lyrics are, can be beautiful. Words can be beautiful, but how are they sung? Are they sung like a drum beat? Are they percussive? Are they sung like violin strings? Is it like more melodic? Depends. So it's a combination of both that really enhances the effect. My favorite probably is Anthony Kiedis from the Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah. Chili Peppers, yeah. I think I, it might just be because I've listened to them the most probably of any band in my life. But yeah, he, he also is like very, it can be like whimsical or nonsensical but yeah. very creative, like extremely creative. If you actually listen to the lyrics, it's like a lot of uh, like a uh, twist of the tongue kind of creative imagery. And like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And I think that's one, of, it's kind of like also for someone who's a non-musician, like for me, I remember really clearly the first time I like saw a show with someone who knew about music and was like, all right, like now focus on the bass and listen to the bass and now focus on the rhythm guitar and now listen for the drums and, you know, and like understanding that whole cacophony of what goes in together to make a song and especially with jazz, yeah. right? With jazz, it's like incredible, but yeah, yeah, I think it's such a cool thing about music that 
like I had to kind of go learn about it as an adult. I never really like I was in a musical household, but we, not from musicians. Neither of my parents are, are musicians, you know. But we always listen to music. Um, yeah, but yeah, man, it's 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 a beautiful, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So, but on the on the Bro Nouveau topic, you know, your dad now, you're older, you know, 33. You're ancient. Yeah. You know, you enjoy it. While white it hairs are popping out. <laughs> bags under my eyes. <laughs> but yeah, man. What about what about the? Uh, I guess for someone who's kind of seeking that authenticity or looking for that strength to, I guess, be more vulnerable or. Mm-hmm. You know, anything you want to share with the uh, with the audience? Lessons learned, maybe for the young the young people out there. For the young people out there, um, I think the biggest difficulty that I've had, and I think a lot of people feel this way, is not be so hard on yourself. Mm. Um, leaving the band at twenty six. Um, Again, having the feeling that I had to start my career from scratch, like my second career, I had the mindset of like, okay, well, I got to I gotta climb the corporate ladder as fast as possible because I got so much ground to make up. And I was very hard on myself. And it worked to a certain extent. I mean, uh, I went up the food chain, inside sales, outside sales, senior sales, um, different industries. But at the same time, career is one thing. Your personal life, your hobbies, your interests is a whole other thing. And then if you have someone in your life, your relationships and all that, even if you don't have a significant other and it's just your friendships, those are another level of importance. I think the struggle, or the difficulty rather, is, is, is finding that healthy balance between all those three things, right? And I could be, I'll be very transparent, uh, add the pandemic and all of that. I, I think the whole concept of balance was my biggest difficulty. I think a lot of people live that over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll admit, like at some point, at some times, you know, I lost sight of, you know, my, my well-being, um, my relationship. Uh, with my significant other, maybe was left on, you know, the back burner to focus on, you know, okay, well, my son's not feeling good or, um, or, or my career is asking me of this. Uh, so you end up jumping from a position that was maybe not the best move for you. And then you end up regretting it. And that weighs on your, on your, uh, on your psyche a little bit too. So if I were to dumb it down, I, I think the biggest advice I would say is whenever you're in a, in a position where you're transitioning uh, in your life, for me, it was becoming a father. Uh, my son developed some allergies. So getting used to that lifestyle, you know, adapting our, our menus to that. He had a hard time sleeping when he was uh, very younger. So adapting to, okay, well, now there's sleep deprivation and all that. And I, I, I jumbled that with, you know, changing jobs, losing my job at, at, at a certain point, 
So try to minimize combining big decisions or in, in your significant life transition. So if you're getting new, if you're getting accustomed to like, you know, the role of a, of a dad, don't combine that with, uh, you know, trying to move up the ladder or right. changing don't jobs. Don't get a new or, job the month after you get Just, born. just, yeah. uh, I'm not saying that you should wait till everything is perfect before because there's never going to be a perfect time in your life to make a decision. I don't believe that. But there are times where you're more stable. And for me, it's it, another thing that, that I've discovered is you, we have to be more forgiving towards each other. Um, whether it be, like I, like I said, whether it be personally on your own expectations. One thing that's really helped me actually in, in doing that is establishing what your priorities are. Like, what do you want your lifestyle to be? What's important for you? And how much time, effort, money does that take? Because you can get lost in the whole, well, and I kind of got lost in saying, like, I'm going to go up the corporate ladder at any cost. <laughs> That's so extreme. <laughs> no, no but, it, no, but in the sense that, like, yeah. You get a promotion or you're moving up or you're offered another position. You're making more money or whatever, more responsibilities. Well, before saying, okay, I'm here now. What's the next step? Well, take a time to enjoy where you're at. Dig into it. Totally. So I, I, remember I think you were laser focused at the training. Like, uh, I feel like, you know, obviously I'm a consummate professional in all ways, but there were, there were times when maybe we'd be goofing off or, you know, not as focused. And I remember you being like, no, no, I'm going to hang back. I'm going to study for the thing, you know, the test or be very uh, diligent. And that makes sense now in context, right? Cause you, you mm -hmm. felt like you had to play catch up in some way. Well, I was very much in that catch up mentality. Yeah. Um, again, it was my, at, at that time it was my first outside sales role. So again, not only that I was playing catch up, but I had something to prove. Right, 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 right. So definitely it was like at any cost, like let's do what it takes. Let's go above and beyond. Yeah. Epic, dude. Well, thank you, Phil, um, you know, for sharing your stories and uh, your insights with, with the audience. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear you talk more about yourself, dude. Tom, this has been fantastic. Yeah. Not only to catch up, but uh, to get to share and all that. And uh, hey, if we don't get to talk, Happy holidays. Yeah, man. Thank you. And I'll uh, I'll come see you in, in Montreal. That'd be that'd be wonderful. Maybe next summer we'll go out for a trip. Please do. Please do. Tu es la bienvenue, as they say in French. Which means You're always welcome. Always welcome. Thank you, dude. Merci beaucoup. Okay. Here's our <laughs> here's our conversation game. Do you uh, we each get a question we answer? Uh, the two different okay. questions. Do you want to go first or second? So I gotta ask you a question. There, uh, sorry, there, there, we, there, I have two cards here that have questions. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So they're, they're pre-made, yeah. Okay, uh, sure, I'll go first. Okay, let me just make sure it's not... Uh, there you go. I don't like that one. Some of these are fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> He's tampering with the game, people. He's tampering with the game. <laughs> Do you like your job or what you are studying in school? Why or why not? 
No, I have to answer. Yes, that's that's about you. Yep. Okay. Do I like my job? Because I'm not in school. Just for those out there, letting you know I'm not in school. <laughs> I do like what I do. I like communicating with people. I like learning about new customers, new companies. So the fact that I'm curious kind of makes that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I would say I'm more happy with where my mentality is at now. Like, again, I've learned to respect myself for two years, almost two years, becoming a new father. Um, I found it hard to, you know, take that time to, you know, go to the gym. So I think, yes, I enjoy what I do, but I enjoy my mindset. Yeah, it's not everything. And, and, and that basically can lead you to enjoy whatever you do. For sure. And that's kind of the, it's like the double-edged sword of sales, you know, you, you can, you can engineer it to where it's quite comfortable and not all consuming Yeah, or it can completely well, the, get out of control. And then you're, well, it's cause yeah. the highs tend to be very high and the lows tend to be very low. Right. So if you kind of minimize the effect on both ends, I think you're in for a healthier lifestyle. Overall. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That makes sense, dude. It's a good mindset. Okay. Here's my question. What is my favorite okay. family tradition? If none, name one you would like to start. Oh, good one. Very thematic with uh, the holidays. Yes, the I holidays. Like well, um, I'll go with one that's uh, older and one that's uh, newer. So my mom always gets us uh, <laughs> pajamas on Christmas Eve. Like onesies? Yeah, not not onesies, but just like, uh, you know, pajamas. Okay. I don't know what they call awesome. it up there in Canada. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we call it pajamas, Tom. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, but it's funny cause, cause now my mom got remarried and we have step siblings uh, who are great Okay, and we're all friends, you know, it's all good. But, uh, Sean is my stepbrother's name and he was like, I don't want the pajamas. Cause he's like, you know, I'm too cool. Kind of sometimes he can be like that. He's gonna is he a younger dude? Like an older dude? He's younger than me by like a year. We're like the same age. Okay, uh, okay, and okay. I was gonna say uh, he'll kill me if he hear, he doesn't listen to this, so he's not gonna hear this. So he uh, okay. <laughs> he was like, "I better not, I don't want the pajamas." And of course, my mom got him the pajamas. You know, it's funny. Um, but he's a very good cook. And then over the last couple of years, we've been uh, like around this time, we'll start pre- prepping Christmas meal. What are we gonna cook? You know, we'll plan it out okay. and we'll do we'll go big. Like we'll go to the grocery store and just get a bunch of like last year we did. Um, lamb ribs, homemade tomato soup, and um, oh. a kale salad, I think, and much other stuff. Like, does it change every single year, yeah, or do you have, like, a set menu? No, it's been evolving. Like, so we'll, like, we'll bring idea, we'll, like, brainstorm <laughs> and, like, figure it out. That's a nice thing, I think, like, making yeah. the cooking a central part of it and maybe not just relying on kind of, like, a standard recipes, but, like, get creative every year. 
Tom, you're talking to someone who's half Italian. Trust me, I I know and appreciate the importance of food. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! Awesome, Phil. Well, hey, where can is it? Can I go stream uh, Air Nine? Is it still up there? Is it? You guys... It should still be on there on YouTube somewhere. YouTube. Okay. Uh, look for my name, Philip Paolino, P-H-I-L-I-P, P-A-O-L-I-N-O, <laughs> and you can check it out. Uh, if you want to keep more in tune with what I do and what I talk about, uh, I'm mostly on LinkedIn these days, talking about optimization. Uh, also, ways to you know keep it on an even keel. I'm not a guru or anything, but I like meeting new people, so by all means, if you want to say hi, say hi. Beautiful. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it, dude. Tom. Thank you very much. Take care. You rock. You are a brony though. <laughs> <laughs>